0: And yeah. Welcome in to 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett. Here to talk some Kentucky football at the conclusion of the 2020 regular season. Luckett, we weren't sure if we were ever going to get one of these. Feels like just yesterday I was losing my mind over the SEC schedule release announcement. And don't look now, but Kentucky's played 10 football games and has called it a year. I don't know about Everyone else, but the COVID year has kind of moved fast for me,
1: um, because I, I guess there's not the usual checkpoints mm. of a normal calendar where it's like, oh, this point now I have this many days until this happens, or we've got this or that. It's just been, I don't know what's gonna happen or when it's gonna get here. So,
0: yeah, it's time just kind of goes by a little faster, I guess. But it's well, just not from where I sit i actually read something that it was it it was something to the effect of like uh people who like psychologists and people who study memory we're not going to remember much from this year because there wasn't anything as eventful and i think it's flown by because we just get kind of ground into the daily routine of things and then you just Mm -hmm. look up and you're like oh god it's saturday you know, so on one hand, it's it's kind of flown by and that's a good thing. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, it, it, at least Kentucky, they're wrapping up the season and there's still more games to go. It's going to be bizarre having Army Navy this Saturday and there's it's pretty much a full slate. Well, like just having regular like
1: Kentucky plays Notre Dame at noon in basketball. And it's just going to it's going to be in the middle of a college football Saturday. So that that in itself is gonna be weird.
0: Can I just say I mean. that I I volunteered to attend that game and what an idiot! Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's um for like every every reason, but you know, yeah, I, I got the YouTube yeah. TV app. I can I can watch some football games while the basketball game's going on. Well, you didn't hear me say that. You nobody heard me say that. I'm not going to be not doing my job while I'm at Rep Arena. I'm gonna be doing my job. Back to the football game. Kentucky played South Carolina Saturday. <laughs> Uh, and it was senior day, Adam Luckett. And Kentucky scored 41 points against the South Carolina defense. It had 16 players. And I think if they really wanted to, they could have hung like a 60-burger on them. That that, that South Carolina defense. Yeah. I and mean, Jamie Robinson and, and not a whole lot left to it.
1: Right. Jamie Robinson and the JV team. Or Jamie <laughs> Robinson and the JV team, for sure. The thing with that game was it was pretty obvious. They were trying to get – Terry Wilson and AJ Rose some numbers um, at least from where I was sitting um, because they were throwing it a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, three possessions in the second half Chris Rodriguez mysteriously disappeared seen that before and you're wondering where he's at and then he shows back up when it kind of got a little tight where you kind of needed a couple first downs and just rips off a 79 yard touchdown (laughs) So I, offensively, know, they I, it was a weird year because uh, when they played some bad teams, they really lit some people up uh-huh. offensively. Right, but when they played anybody with a pulse defensively, they just couldn't do anything all season. It was just the weirdest year in that regard.
0: The one I I, I knew that they were going to shoot for the Rose number pretty early. Like I I knew that before the game. I knew that going into the game they were going to try yeah. to get him to to pass Marco going to be tenth on the. Uh, all-time rushing list uh, in school history. He did that pretty easily. And, hell, if if one was a handoff instead of a pitch pass, he would have got there a lot quicker. But A.J. actually played a, a good game overall. The, uh, his
1: last month of the season, he was really good. It was probably the best ball he played his whole career.
0: Which, last year, like he, his best game probably of the whole year was bulk Bowl. And mm-hmm, Rose doesn't strike me as a gets-better-as-the-season-goes-along type of back. Um, but that was the case for him. So happy to see him have a have a real solid game to, to go out on high note. Yeah, just all the seniors in general
1: to win like that um, is good. And I like how that game was a little testy early in the in the ball ballgame. <laughs> I, I like this South Carolina, Kentucky rivalry that's kind of going on right now. I like that Kentucky doesn't like them. I like that South Carolina doesn't like them. It'll be interesting to see how it rolls on now with Uh Shane Beamer calling the shots and Muschamp moving on. But I like that. I think that that this game is always a little – it's always a little chippy, this game. Every year there's a little extra shoves going on after the whistle. (laughs) <laughs> and you saw that early in the game that's uh the two teams going out oh, a little bit
0: and, and the thing was like it if i was on the south carolina side that's all i, I would just be out there to fight people like i mean you're not going to win the game so you know you might as well just like beat some people up so i'm you're right i'm i'm totally with it i don't blame him one bit and i love that austin Dotson, it, like you got belfry getting in the middle of it all <laughs> like he was he was in yeah. the middle of every single bit of it and uh, Freddie said it on the on the radio show on Monday. The time he got flagged, it was probably the least sportsmanlike or the least unsportsmanlike he was after all of his extra. Yeah, career. that one wasn't even that
1: bad. It was just kind of <laughs> not saying he did it on accident, but it was just a slight little jab. But oh, yeah, man. he he mixes it up. Uh, he could play for my team <laughs> <laughs> any day, any sport, yeah, yeah. whatever.
0: Holy crap! All right, so is Justin Tucker hurt or is he out? Is there something wrong? He might just, be in COVID. Well, I think is he number nine for the Ravens? Yeah, he just missed a chip shot. Well, that's there you go. This is so. First off, we're doing we're Tuesday night football. Shocking enough as is, but Tucker he makes a field goal. Then they get like a false start. They move him back five yards, and he hooks it. Wow, that's weird. That is so shocking. Also shocking that my Pittsburgh Steelers finally lost a football game to the Washington football team. Of all people, but I was I was watching that game yesterday, and
1: the football team—they have some dudes on defense now.
0: Man, Chase Young does not look like a rookie.
1: Chase Young, Montez Sweat, who got that batted ball in the interception. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen, who used to wreck dudes at Alabama. Man,
0: yeah. John Bostick, about who
1: about tore off Teddy Bridgewater's helmet or head in the Sugar Bowl.
0: He did tear off his helmet. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> he did tear off his helmet.
1: They have some dudes on defense,
0: right? They they do, and it was it was not a good look for our our, our guy Benny Snell. Not
1: not a great no, game. I did, for him. Yeah, I I didn't see that live, but I saw the replay of
0: that. And I only saw the fourth down one where Eric Ebron wanted no part of chipping Chase Young, and he just went clean and tackled him before he could even get to the line of scrimmage. So some of it was those guys just being nasty and giving him nowhere to go. And like one play, the center like snapped it off of his leg and Benny just had to pick it up and run or Mm -hmm. else it was a fumble. So, but I don't know. I I think the Steelers. Well, if Benny's going to get paid,
1: he's got to, that's what he has to do. He's got to be able to score down there.
0: Yeah, it was unfortunate because that's like, I mean, that's why they drafted him and he didn't get it in And hell. If he gets in just that once, uh, they had another fourth down near the red zone that they couldn't convert. If they could just get one of those two, they win that football game. But I'm going with the spin zone. They needed to lose one anyway. And apparently for tiebreaker's sakes, uh, I think the Chiefs only lost was to an NFC team. So it's good that they lost to an NFC team. So I'm just that, – that's how we're going to – Chiefs lost to the Raiders at home. they're AFC even, division. Even team. worse. Even worse. So ex- <laughs> Steelers still got the one seed. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. Uh, but back to Kentucky, South Carolina. Uh, just, uh, Justin Rigg was another senior, career high receiving yards. I just like the, the, anytime a tight end catches a long pass, it's noteworthy. And there were three,
1: like every one of his well, probably would have been more if Upshaw doesn't get hurt first series. He right. got hurt. He hurt his groin early and we didn't see him after, I don't think, the first series. And then Rig, he had really two catches on that, that one scoring drive back to back, I think. Um, but it were like two catches for 50 something yards. So yeah, he had had some good moments. Terry had some good moments throwing the football. Overall, I mean it's good, good performance. Defensively, that that was probably the worst run defense looked all year.
0: Kevin Harris pushed around a little bit. Kevin Uh, Harris is
1: good, but not that I don't think he's that good. Like he's good, but they made him look a little bit like Nick Chubb (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) Some of those runs he got, some of those long runs. I wonder how
0: much of that too was like, let's just kind of get out of here. Kind of deal, Mm -hmm. but you know, still inexcusable, but I mean, I really, the most inexcusable of all things, I don't, I don't know what was more like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? The, they get the ball back right before halftime at like the 30 and can't score a touchdown or the fake punt at the, in the fourth quarter. I I don't know which one was more like you come on, just, can you, can you, what, really? Yeah, the the first one. We're still doing this? It's harder to,
1: obviously the field's condensed, so it makes things a little more difficult. And Terry missed a couple throws, I think. Um, if I'm yeah, trying to, I'm trying it, to it, remember. He missed, well, I think the first play, he missed somebody who was open.
0: Yeah. Or no, it was
1: a penalty. They had Daly down to the two, I think, and then they got called
0: back. Well, he, he – the Kentucky committed a penalty, and then Daly – that was the best ball and the best look they had, and the dude just tackled Allen Daly. There was one where Epps could have made a contested catch, and it just, like, went right through his arms. Um, and then the other two were just off target. So, nah, I don't know. And that's I just, the stuff
1: we've talked about with the passing game.
0: Yeah, just – it stop. You knew that it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> like, I was like, eh, they're not they're not scoring a touchdown here. They should – but they're not going to like, we just, we know the story it's been written before. And then on the special teams, I've been of the belief most of the season,
1: like some of that stuff is a little overhyped. Like anytime there's one mistake, if there's not a special teams coach, people are just going to blame it on that. Like when Florida fakes that punt at their own 25 or whatever on third, on fourth and eight, like that's just a great call.
0: (laughs) Nobody saw that coming like at all. You have punt left, and
1: your all-American punter punts it to the right. Like that, that can happen. But like that one down there, that that was one that was bad. And there's just been other moments. Kickoff returns been bad. Tisdale dropped the ball early in the game, Poor Kentucky, Kentucky had to start at like their own nine-yard line. And then there was they had that little pooch kicker that what something at the end, and there was a fumble. Kentucky uh, yeah. barely recovered that.
0: Uh, Ali like pointed for somebody else to go get it, and didn't like jump on it
1: and then you've had the whole issue with punt returns all year not fair catching the ball so i think there's definitely a reason for people to get upset and demand a special teams coach i don't think it's maybe as bad as some do but i think there's definitely a need for that
0: well the kicking game
1: was still like matt ruffalo hit 9 of 11 field goals this year
0: yeah and i don't think he missed one in like six games or something maybe he no one's, missed a long yeah. one against alabama i think
1: yeah no one's really talking about that but like he had a really good year
0: yeah it was just the one time you can't miss he missed mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was an overtime extra point but uh, otherwise he had a great year uh duffy got left off of the ray Guy Award list even though did you see where they had a, a kicker from Indiana ranked like forty six in putting average? I know that the the numbers are so off this year because like the guy who's the top ranked punter nationally is only kicked in like three games. So mm-hmm. like the you know you don't have an even sample size, but still to have the Indiana punter like what what's what's he done? <laughs> you know? What's the, I wonder what his net putting average is that might have something to do with it. Yeah, and that college football stats. Looking it up right now and he, yeah, it's not the best. stuff.
1: Duffy was Kentucky's twentieth in net punting average. That Florida return really killed him. Indiana's thirtieth, so yeah, he sh- probably shouldn't be on there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. But hey, big year for Indiana. They're gonna everybody's gonna hype him up, and it doesn't take away from the season Max had last year. In uh, hell, he had, he hit had some great some some great dingers. last Saturday too?
1: His first the first half of the season he was really good. I think the latter half wasn't his best, and then he got rolled out for COVID too. Right. So he had also had a, a weird year along with the rest of the team.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, all, that's, that's the... In a nutshell right there. Yeah, it was a weird year. But hell, it made it through. And now we're for a week away from signing day, like it. And I feel like it's kind of creeping up and it's going to bite me in the ass. So I need to get on the uh, grindstone. But... The good news, knock on wood, uh, up to this point, uh, you've seen a lot, a lot of decommitments elsewhere, especially where there's been some volatility in the coaching ranks. Uh, you haven't seen that thus far. Um, now it's only been two days since they decided to flip coaches, but uh, Armand Scott only decommitment as of late. Uh, the next week is going to be a, a blitz to get to get, get all the stuff you need to know about this this upcoming uh, recruiting class. Mm-hmm. It's definitely – like from where we stand right now,
1: looks like Kentucky's in a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. Now, now we'll see, but things
0: can change rapidly.
1: <laughs> the, the The one everyone's watching for is Christian Lewis, obviously, and it, it's starting to look like Lane Kiffin's going to load up on receivers. and Ole Miss was the one to watch for there. Um, he's about to flip a Florida State commit, or he's already decommitted, but he's about to commit to Ole Miss. It's a four star kid that goes to IMG. There was another Miss uh Mississippi State commit that just decommitted. Um they think he's gonna end up at Ole Miss. Ooh, so that they kind well, of they got go. all their re- they got their all, all their receivers right now. So that, that's a good one. And then the last school there really is Texas AM. And I Texas AM, I don't I, I don't know too much about their recruiting class, but I mean we'll see if they make maybe put some late pressure on them. But as of right now, I think they feel good. Now Jimbo Fisher is a notorious late closer. Um, to come in late on some kids and really um step on the gas and s- steal some for people. So that's something to keep on eye on. But I think you feel good um, from that end. And then um I think it, I, without the, the visits, you know, usually kids be taking last minute visits right about now. Right. So right. we would know more. Um, mm-hmm. there, unfortunately, there's no way to keep track of virtual. <laughs> visits in zoom conversations yeah we can't like, so we're not we are not we are not sure who's talking to who or whatnot yeah
0: right Um, uh, but there's certainly a lot of those happening right now i have heard from you know might be some good news coming too you know just saying I'm sh- yeah might be some good news coming kentucky's way there might be a replacement for armand scott coming mm-hmm.
1: but and we'll Keep see if there's though. another another surprise but we heard Vince Merrill talk this week on the Coach's Show about transfers. Um, I believe he said that they're going after a couple of transfers. I think that's something to to monitor mm-hmm. with the size of this class. I think they're at 17 commits right now.
0: They can add, like, six if they really wanted to. Yeah. They can add a mm-hmm.
1: lot. So, it's, it's something to just keep in mind. Um, and I think getting offensive as coordinator is going to – um, they, they want to leave some wiggle room whoever That's going to be um, to add maybe a, a late player or two on the offensive side of the football. Um, so that's not another thing to keep in mind with this class. So Kentucky could um, be more active this year in the second signing period than they were last year.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's exciting, especially because it feels like there's a lot up in the air right now. That's, what's going to make the show fun um there there's a lot up in the air right now so uh let's not dilly dally anymore like we'll it let's get to the meat and potatoes of this we got the coaching search man for the first time we're doing a little 11 personnel coaching search it's not head coaching search i think thankfully um that that probably wouldn't be a good thing um but it is uh, mark Stoops made it official sunday afternoon that they're moving on from grain and henshaw after five seasons and Lucky, well, I, I know we talked about it at length last week. We kind of saw this coming. I don't. I don't think it, it, none of us were surprised. But I, I will ask you something that some people have asked me, and I don't. I don't have a good answer for this. The passing numbers have been what they've been, never above ninety seventh under Grant and Henshaw. It just it hasn't worked. But when when do you think Stoops knew that there was a change was going to come?
1: It's a good question. I think the Missouri game, he knew it. he had to change something. Maybe not necessarily Eddie Grand, but that something had to change on that side of the ball. To go out against Missouri and to play the way they did on offense, you know, 30 some plays in a game. Mm-hmm. So, so I definitely think that was a moment. And then you go out and you get blanketed. Against Georgia. And then something went on there behind the scenes with the Terry Wilson-Joey Gatewood flip. Right. And then you come out.
0: Oh, I just hugged him and loved him and all that kind of thing.
1: So, Terry plays well against Vanderbilt. But then he goes to Alabama and Florida, and it was pretty much the same thing we saw earlier in the season. So, I think – There was was probably something to the fact that we need Terry, like the offense saying we can only do it with Terry, and then it's the same stuff you're getting. Right, right. So there might have been like a lack of flexibility type there was just kind of icing on the cake. Um, But overall, I think the more important part is that they – like I I brought that stat up earlier where they scored uh, 15 points or less in like 38% of their SEC games.
0: So that won't win you many games in the SEC. It's just
1: not leaving your defense uh, much wiggle room. Um, and it's not It's not winning football, um, to put it bluntly. And the offenses are only getting better, um, college football in general. So you, you can't win games 17 14 anymore. You got to be able to get the 30 points um, on a regular occasion. And Kentucky just hasn't been able to do that. Um, and to do that, you have to create explosive plays. The easiest way to create explosive plays is in the pass game. So Kentucky is. Way behind the eight ball um, because of their passing offense, because they haven't really been able to get it up on the gr- up off the ground, and they haven't been able to stretch the field vertically. Um, so it's made them easier to defend. And when you play teams that have bad run defenses, yeah, you can put up big numbers. But in the SEC, usually most of these good defenses are stopping the run, and you're not going to beat teams when you can't. We can't pass the ball. Like the Texas A&M game in 2018 is a perfect example of that. Kentucky has a really good team, has a chance to do really good things that year. You can make the case that they had a better team than Texas A&M, but the bottom line in that game was what one thing Texas A&M did really well was stop the run, and they weren't going to let Kentucky run down their throat. They stopped the run, and Kentucky just needed to complete some passes to win the game, just a few to win the game, and they just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And so it's that with I mean, there's a bunch more uh, examples of that, um, but I think that's really the bottom line. That he knew knew like they've they've established that winning culture. Eddie Graham, if it wasn't for Eddie Graham, would be defense coordinator more than likely. Like he saved his job. That the hire of Graham was a great hire. It helped establish them going a direction they wanted to go. Um, but after this run. Things just aren't working. And in the students' press conference, I thought was very interesting. I had a couple comments, but one specifically was he pretty much admitted that it, that the Lin Bowden experiment hurt them more than it helped them, and mainly I think that, in recruiting.
0: That was the first time he admitted that. Um, they kind of alluded to it at different points, but I don't think they really knew – like the development that those guys missed from that year was just substantial and significant. And even though you're like, it was a ton of fun. It just uh, that on top of missing the spring too. Yeah. Like
1: I think that was a factor in all this too, was not having spring ball last year for the most part.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he admitted that he also, the thing that I, uh, I, I liked like it is that he, uh, you can tell he's really sick and tired of the whole stoop's handcuffs his offense, he doesn't yeah. want an offense that scores points because, like, just the notion behind it. Like, I people got really hung up on what he said in that 2018 season, like when people were wanting to pass the ball more. When Benny Snell football worked pretty well, and he's like, well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, this is uh. This is not a bad thing right now. If and also it helps our defense. That's how football works. People got really hung up on that. And and it turned into Stoops doesn't want to throw the football. Yeah. And well, I think there was definitely out. some uh
1: when Neil Brown was here, there was definitely some headbutting, I think, between them, those two about what was kind of the right way to do things and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it started. astutes me in a young head coach learning how to do it. And then the whole, the reason I think that's the thing is Shannon Dawson came out and said, I don't run Wildcat. We're not, that's not what we're doing. And then three weeks later, they're running Wildcat because the head coach wanted them to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand why, where that comes from. But with Grant, I don't think that was there. I think there was a really good trust level between those two.
0: Um, because those guys know knew each other and,
1: well. Another thing to keep to remember with all this, in 2016, Mark Stoops had to totally take over the defense. Hmm. Totally take over. In 2017, yeah. 2017, he had a brand new defensive coordinator. He only worked for with with one year. He had to make sure he was doing, you know, what he wanted to do on that side of the ball. 2018, he's breaking in another brand new, or 2019, breaking in another brand new defensive coordinator who never called plays before. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely something to like that. He's really focused on the defense and what they're doing and whatnot. And there was a trust level with Grant and he just let them, you know, he trusted them and they ran the show. But I just think at the end of the day, he's, he wants to pass the ball. I think the area kind of experiment honestly didn't work, but he, he knows he has, he has to throw the ball. I, I think if Stoops was really holding the offense and the, his offensive coaches under his thumb, Kentucky would be running Wildcat a lot, a lot this year. I also think if he was really holding them under his thumb, Chris Rodriguez would have had it a lot more carries than twenty
0: five carries a game. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And and I apologize uh, if y'all hear some uh, noise I, in the background. I, mean, I think HVAC thing. Wrong and under.
1: getting to that recruiting factor, I think that's why you saw them come out and try to throw it against Missouri. Yeah. Well, they threw it 37 right. times against Auburn right, right they were trying to prove they could pass the ball to quiet all that noise especially the door yeah. yeah the problem was they just couldn't get it done this year and it made everything look worse
0: well not only have they they started to put that emphasis in recruiting but I mean I'm not going to publish it every time that they talk about it on KSR, because I mean he got asked about it almost once a week towards the end of the season but the amount of times he talked about just the overall trajectory and needing to pass it more that's been happening for a year so i'm not buying it i am buying that they are going to get that that that's obviously going to be a, a focus of this offensive offensive coordinator hire And lucky we've we we talked about it last week how there's not an obvious choice and we've thrown a lot of names out there on Kentucky And I think between what we've heard, what we know he knows and, and what he shared with us in the press conference, I think we can get a general idea of how things are working, but I don't, I, I, I still can't tell exactly which, which direction he's leading because he said, you know what? We don't need a uh, God Doesn't need to know me before, but I need to know what he's going to do. You know, uh, I've got the full financial backing of the university. But, you know, you said cast a wide net. I know he didn't say that, but I think he said all options are on the table or something like that. So you're going to see, I think, some different names pop up here and there that are more favorites than other. One that you pulled out, I really liked. Pep Hamilton. He was the OC. Brad White was with in Indianapolis. Uh, mm-hmm. he worked with Andrew Luck previously. It's kind of how he got the gig because he was Andrew Luck's offensive coordinator at Stanford. Uh, and then goes with the Colts when Luck's there. Uh, and he was an XFL coach. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of a few other gigs he had as well. Off the top of my head, I guess he worked with Harbaugh at Michigan for a, a year or two. Yeah, he was,
1: the Michigan had that weird thing where Harbaugh wouldn't say he was the offensive coordinator who was calling plays. He called it like a tank tank kind of thing. So you didn't really know was he, was he calling plays? Was he not? Um, that's not something we knew what he was doing. But yeah, he's been he's been a lot of time in the NFL. Um, he was just the DC Defenders head coach, I believe they had one of the better offenses in the XFL that, for that short time.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Justin, not Josh Johnson, maybe was their quarterback. Or no, no, no. It was Cardell Jones. Jones, yeah, and then they replaced him with, with the guy who's at Carolina now, who's Bridgewater's backup, I think. No, I think he played for someone
1: else. Um, the guy that just PJ Walker.
0: Yeah, he, um, he he just
1: played. He just played well in the game. He got in for Bridgewater a couple weeks ago.
0: You're right. He was with the the Houston team, like the Roughnecks or something. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. right. Man, it's sad that I know XFL quarterbacks as well. Nevertheless, a big reason why I like Pep, too. Having a guy like Pep as your coordinator and offense coach, like, Pep knows what the hell he's doing. And also, mm-hmm. Pep's a great guy to just curse at whenever you're mad. Oh, you stinkin' Pep. Come on. Like, Pep's just a great name for a football guy. The only thing I would say about
1: Hamilton is when you look at that Michigan and Stanford kind of experiment, the Michigan thing was – they were not good on offense. Right. Like, it was bad. At all.
0: So now, they like, were at Stanford. Football was a little different back then. Um, right. But the reason why I think he would at least be considered if you know he wanted the job is because Stoops is big thing. You know, he's he's like, we're not doing the Mississippi State thing. <laughs> he didn't call him out by name and he's like, You see in this league, you go from one mm-hmm. extreme to the other, it doesn't work. Well, I think the NFL thing, um, the main reason I think you do
1: that is you want to get play action pass game um, mixed in with what you're doing right now, which is running the ball at a pretty good clip. And if you figure out a way to get that involved, um, that could cure a lot of ills, um, just being able to hit teams with some play action stuff. Um, so obviously I think that I think that's still a lure there. Um, it's just uh, where, what kind of branch are you going to go off of. And I think a big part in, in this is Greg Minuski, the quality control guy. Mm -hmm. right now who was in the nfl for a long time um it's tight with brad white we've heard stoops talk about him a couple times i mean that that's a guy i could see um stoops maybe leaning on a little bit in this coaching search because of some of his connections in the nfl if that's a route they want to go
0: right He was around 20 some odd years um at a bunch of different stops and so he's worked with a lot of people and i think stoops kind of how grand was uh you know, an older guy he could bounce ideas off of. I think he really likes having Minooski around because n- not only for that part, but also he's a defensive guy. And l- let's be real, like okay, those defensive guys, they stick together. You know, it's just so a, a yeah. Role.
1: There's a there's a role called chief of staff that's starting to become popular around the college football world, um, and basically it's you're you're pretty much your head coach's kind of right hand man, like. Mm-hmm. Like Dan Mullen hired Paul Pasqualone, who was Syracuse, UConn head coach, in the NFL for a long time. That's what he does. He's kind of, I guess he's kind of just, you know, a guy that a head coach can lean on for game plan or whatever, just whatever. Yeah. I would be surprised. What I'm getting at is I would be surprised if Minooski gets that title because it's a way to give him maybe a pretty sizable pay bump and more kind of coaching duties
0: brez has had it for the longest time yeah yeah he was the first one to get it i could see them shifting him or something like that they they deal with a lot of recruiting stuff and um what's the word i'm looking for well everyone's different you can use it in different ways there's
1: not really a one specific set of right uh, right. task you need to complete i think everybody would be different that. it's just something i thought uh, could he could potentially
0: do and I think another one, too, is they keep tabs on what people are saying. Like, Stoops ain't got time to read what's on, mm-hmm. you know, KSR or House of Blue. But, you know, the chief of staff can have their pulse on what people are saying. And, and th- that could influence what who they ultimately decide to yeah. go to in this hire to an extent. Uh, a couple other names, like, I-, I love that there's a couple of the uh the uh hell let me just pull up the list here there was one that uh john john clay threw out eric er, kafka from the chiefs matt kafka yeah which would be great if you could get the chiefs quarterback coach but that dude's gonna end up placing eric b enemy whenever Mm -hmm. like how that guy doesn't have a job the one
1: thing to watch for there is if Doug Peterson is going to get fired, the Eagles head coach. Which? If Andy Reid, because I believe he worked for Reid before, if Reid just brought him back down there to be his.
0: Oh, it is a good point. Quarterback's coach. Yeah. Um,
1: Offense coordinator. That's something to watch, because I don't know how highly he thinks of Kafka or whatnot, but just something to to keep um, in the vault.
0: Well, and as you'll, when we go through some of these names, like, a lot of the snowballing it, it really is a game of dominoes yeah where matt nagy's guy,
1: another one andy reed could bring back because he's probably going to get fired from the bears too And i believe he came off the tree as well
0: yeah in uh like press taylor who that is such a country club name press taylor sounds like, like a texas quarterback yeah uh he's zach taylor's younger brother who is only 32 years old he's got that Young, good-looking – like, he he has all of the look of a guy who's going to be big in, in the coaching rink soon, and he might want to hop out of the Philadelphia train. Carson Wentz just got benched. The time might be right to get the hell out of there. That's uh, true.
1: You know where Press Taylor is from? Uh, Tulsa. No, well, he went to high school. Norman. Norman, Norman Oklahoma.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and about the time when Bob Stoops would have been really rolling. Yeah. Didn't go to the Oklahoma, though. No, he went to community college. I think that's what his brother did. His brother transferred from somewhere then ended up in Nebraska, and then Press ended up at Tulsa. Marshall. He like, had recruiting interest from Louisville, apparently.
0: He was a GA at Tulsa. That's why i Tulsa tell Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's stuck on my head. Uh, Jed Fish, who... I just... I mean, that sounds like a guy that... Like... Oh, good old Jed down there, water and hole. If you uh <laughs> if you follow the coaching search at
1: all, you've seen Jed Fish's name a hundred times. And the main reason why is Bruce Feldman has plugged him for about 78 jobs in the last <laughs> three seasons. I think Bruce and Jed get together and drink some beers in the off season.
0: <laughs> Bruce and what, Je- Jed. Just there's there is a Bruce and a Jed drinking beers as we speak somewhere in America. Oh, i guarantee it I guarantee <laughs> there's a person dead somewhere enjoying a cold one well jed
1: fish had a had an interesting a uh, uh career because he he didn't play ball in college he he walked he went to florida didn't walk didn't play or anything he would write spurrier like while he was in high school and was like i want to come you know i want to come tutor under you or something Blah 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 and then like he just showed up one day and Spurrier was like, "You're the kid that's been writing me this whole time," and he let him be like, I don't know, a manager or something. And then he he worked at, he uh, worked under Florida or under Spurrier while he was there, and then it's kind of uh, been everywhere. Uh, most recently was UCLA's offensive coordinator. Um, the last year they had Rosen when they, he had a pretty good season. Um, and he had he worked with Harbaugh too.
0: Mm-hmm. So he was in the think tank.
1: You're right. He was in the think tank, but he was there when their offense was actually good that first two hardball seasons. And then he left. And that's when things really started to get ugly. Um, but he's a guy that I, I could see working out because um, Sean McVay worked with Greg Minuski at, for the Redskins mm-hmm. and Sean McVay went from there to be the Rams head coach. And since he's been there, he's kind of been the golden boy in the NFL. If you know Sean McVay, you might get a head coaching job. Zach Taylor was a quarterback's coach, got the Bengals head coaching job simply mm-hmm. because he worked for Sean McVay. Yeah. Cliff Matt, Kingsbury Matt was LaFleur. friends with Sean McVay, and that <laughs> helped him get the Arizona Cardinals job. So there's definitely, um,
0: Matt definitely something was that comes uh, with a McVay that. guy who, right? Matt LaFleur was a yeah, McVay guy. So it's it's everywhere. If you're a McVay guy, you're doing well. And one of those uh, names that's come up, Shane Waldron. I think I'm saying that right. Yes. He's been the quarterbacks coach there for four years now. Promoted seven, the pass game
1: coordinator here recently,
0: right? Um, so th- that that that's a name of interest, um, a name to keep an eye on. But uh, I think the one thing you noted, Luckett, since you are unfortunately a Bengals fan, uh, you 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 noted that he had he did interview for that head coaching vacancy when it came up, and Taylor got it. Um, so maybe there's a speculation that he was one of Orgeron's candidates to replace Joe Brady, right? So, like, if getting that guy might be too big of an ask, like he's mm-hmm. the he, he's highly sought after, so he can kind of uh, wait out his jobs. But, uh, you know, if you're able to convince a McVeigh guy, I mean, to come to UK, you want an offense that's exciting and sells tickets. Uh, getting a guy from the McVeigh uh, coaching tree w- would certainly do that. And here's the thing about
1: these co- these NFL guys: um, a trend starting to develop. I think, and I think the main reason for this is NFL cup of tea right now. It's a hire like this young, cutting edge offensive minds, and all those guys come in, in the head coaching chair and they're calling plays. So what that does, that takes away jobs in the NFL for some of these other guys. So it's harder to break in to be a play caller. Either you have to be a head coach or you got to join up with a defensive head coach, which not many of those guys are being hired right now. And so for these guys to kind of break in, they're going to have to move to college um, to kind of break that seal, I think. And so maybe that's an Avenue, Kentucky Um Experiments with Washington, Boston College, California all made OC hires last year and they all hired NFL staffers. Um, so maybe that's a trend we're about to see and maybe Kentucky's going to jump on it. But I think that's uh, an important thing to remember is that I think there's, there's a void there for some of these coaches um, where coming to college could make sense for a lot of them because it'll allow them, to get, allow them to get some play calling experience.
0: Man, I was just trying to think of who even is a defensive coach, head coach right now in the NFL? Mike
1: Tomlin. I was going to say Tomlin. Best one. Bill, I mean, Belichick. Yeah. There's, some, there's some out there, but you got the recent hires. You you just go through the last couple of years, and it's just it's not very well, many. Big Fangio is the only one I can really think of.
0: It's funny because it's like the inverse of head coaching hires where they're hiring guys from college now. Even Matt Rule. Um, yeah, you know, well, that's
1: another thing. I think that's about to start happening. I think we're going to see some college just well, get plucked, and,
0: and they're it's their culture, guys. You know, they're like, We, we want we to change the culture to this. This is the the buzzword right now. Uh, which don't get me wrong, it's important. I don't know how exactly tangible it is to measure culture or whatever, or how good you are at doing that. But you know what? Get, give Matt Rule and the Panthers credit, like they've been better than expected in year one with absolutely nobody except for. Christian McCaffrey and he's been hurt for half the year they've been
1: they've been competitive pretty much every week yeah
0: they they're 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 not they're they're not out of the games even when they got pj walker they got an xfl quarterback in there Mm -hmm. uh and they're still doing work so it's it's kind of funny to see how the tables have turned there's one name that's technically in the nfl ranks that i just don't want to see and that's matt canada first off just cue the blame Canada gifts. Like, uh, no, not don't want to deal with that. And the, the Ed Orgeron, I feel like his hires are either striking gold or diarrhea. Like there's no in between. It's like good, bad. I mean, I thought he was going to murder, like commit a <laughs> murder on the sidelines this weekend. of Bo <laughs> Pelini. Like Bo Pelini it has taken years off of Cocho's life. And I, I think Canada while it wasn't as bad, there was a uh, there was a lot of friction there. A lot of friction there. Kentucky hosts
1: LSU next year. How about you hire Canada, bring on Polini as a QC, <laughs> and then you just got those dudes scheming all offseason to beat that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just the oh, Super
1: Bowl man. was with Kentucky LSU. <laughs> so God. You get those two guys with that, I, Kentucky's beating LSU. I'm, you just write it up right then. <laughs> but, yeah, more than Canada, it, his scheme, I like his scheme. He's just, by all accounts, he's just a – he's a hard guy to deal with. Like, not, not really a, the easiest guy to work with. Well, so, you that's know. why you've seen him bounce around so many places. But I think his scheme would be something that, that Stoops would like. But I don't know if that's gonna, it's gonna fly. And I also think he wants to be a head coach. Like I think that's probably his next move: either stay in the NFL or get a, like a Mac job, like a head coach at a Mac school or something like that. I don't think he's wanting to jump in and take orders from somebody anymore.
0: Well, if there's one thing I know about Mark Stoops, he's not stubborn or bullheaded in the slightest. So that would work out great. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you, you took the sarcasm. There was, there was. I, I wondered how many people would actually think i was serious when i said oh my gosh i can't believe kentucky basketball dropped out of the top 25 didn't see that coming there there was, there were some people out there like it who didn't didn't get the couldn't take the hit
1: speaking of top 25s missouri made the playoff top 25 this week
0: don't stop don't make <laughs> me say nice things about Eli drink man i
1: just i'm just thinking about this year since the season has been over and really, the, it came down to four games. You had – knowing what we know now, that Mississippi State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt were all pretty bad. Kentucky wins – okay, you'll win those three.
0: Right. Um,
1: Georgia, Florida, Alabama are all in the top ten. Okay, you're probably going to lose all three of those.
0: I think, with, I think we mixed – we thought Mississippi on the road. State and Missouri would be flipped. Yeah, but I,
1: I also thought I thought – I thought Mississippi State would be bad. Maybe not as bad as they've been, but I thought Missouri would be down there when really they they haven't been.
0: Yeah, because they had a quarterback, Bazelow, yeah. pretty damn good. And so, anyway, you had the four
1: games in the middle. Like, the you had really the schedule was in three tiers. Um, you had the Tier 3, Kentucky beat all of them. Tier 1, Kentucky lost to all of them, wasn't close in any of the games. And then Tier 2, you really had four close games, and Kentucky went 1-3 and three in those games. And in all, all four of those game, all th- all four of those games, Kentucky was in it in the fourth quarter and found a way to lose. Ole Miss, Missouri, and Auburn, and that that really, that really stinks. Because that's that's just if you win one more of those, I think the season's a little bit different. You win two more, and Kentucky's probably not going through a, a coordinator change.
0: No, you're you're, you're right about that um, because winning does cure most all ills. Um, and I, I was just looking at the SEC standings and there really is a haves and have nots in Kentucky's right smack dab in the middle of them. And mm-hmm. things go just a little bit differently in a game or two. And you're kind of in there with the haves instead of just like, I, I think Kentucky might even be the only four win SEC team. There's a, there's zero wins, one wins, two wins, one win, uh, five wins, seven, eight, but I think the Kentucky might be the only four-win team right now, um, so it's kind of a mess. Kind of a mess in the middle of there. Now, yeah, it just,
1: um, just football. That's how it breaks sometimes. And we just thought this year that with an experienced team, senior quarterback, they would, they would fare well in those close games. And fact, of the matter was they didn't. They, they couldn't right. hit it right in, the, in those situations. And that's why you. That's really the reason you got to that four and six record. I think it's just. Those, those games there in the middle where you need to win, they just went the wrong way this year.
0: The experience didn't pay off like you thought, and the passing game didn't take the steps that we we thought it would make. I mean, I don't think any of us expected them to be world beaters, but better, like at least average, and they were far below it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Far, far below it. You can't so, beat the likes of the military academies. I got a question
1: for you, Nick. This time next week, where will we be in the offensive coordinator search? We'll be at the when it's signing day eve or we'll I think guess a
0: recording on signing day. Yeah, we're gonna week. we're gonna wait until after the it's signed, sealed, and delivered. So, okay. we so
1: when we get when we get on there next week, where where do you think we'll be no C search?
0: I don't think we'll be any further along than we are right now. Do you think Oops, we'll no, we'll have a better about. idea of who the top choices are? Maybe I really think it's not something that we're going to find out to the ball game. And that's just, I mean, some of that is me, uh, just imagining like, like I'm going back to the John L. Even at halftime of the GMAC bowl. <laughs> but I feel like in a lot of these bowl games you get, like, I, I remember Pat Narduzzi being up in the booth for a game. Like I, I just feel like in my mind, I've seen the, talking about new coach during bowl game thing a lot. So I'm imagining that happening. And that's really what it's all rooted in because I do think Stoops is going to have to weed through plenty of folks. And in the meantime, he's also recruiting a ton too. So I I think he's, he's, as he said, he's more, he doesn't need to have a coordinator by side today. He's more worried about getting the right guy. And that's exactly what you said a week ago. That's much more important than rushing through this search because it's it's a very important hire. If it's an NFL staffer, their regular season does not end to January 3rd. And I would think that even if they're in the playoffs or not, they're bare minimum going through regular season. Yes, that's what, I
1: staff. think that's a fair
0: assumption. M-
1: so if it's going to be an NFL guy, it's probably going to happen that week after – what's it called black monday in the nfl when they fire all the coaches yeah yeah it'll be sometime that week you're looking like january 5th well, 6th 7th also if it's an nfl guy
0: No, if things would be reported and they would just finish like their last game the week of. that's why i was optimistic about the bowl game because more than likely you're looking at liberty bowl which is new year's eve so that's what the uh, thursday the Thursday before the NFL Sunday. So, like, I could see a report coming out, like, during the game. I don't think it would be, like, the Shane Beamer report we got, I mean, five minutes after the game ended. <laughs> that it was going oh, to be he official. He could not – like,
1: I bet that was – he could not wait to hit sin. He was just waiting for that game. And that <laughs> game, like, drug on. That was probably the longest game Kentucky played all year. That yeah, fourth quarter really hit.
0: just got
1: poof. Imagine being on that South Carolina beat. Like we wouldn't even—I don't even know if we would have said anything about the game. It would just been all coaching stuff. Oh, and well, it was—they
0: were asking them. Uh, they were asking Bobo about I heard, it.
1: Yeah, I went and watched that, and he was like, he looked at the SID and was like,
0: "Yeah, <laughs> say even saying <laughs> really." Yeah, and like the reporters like explaining to him what's going on, and I mean, because Bobo knew the writing was on the wall, but it's also like, yeah, what do I, what do I even do right now? Which speaking of uh, Bobo
1: gave line. Did you hear that from? Uh, he goes. Did you hear that from? You know, Ray Tanner or anybody in South Carolina, or just some beat writer? And the guy was like Bruce Feldman, and he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like if Bruce <laughs> Feldman said it, it's probably right, shit. right, yeah.
0: Now uh, I know you had Bobo on your initial list uh, on the, on the first KSR hot board. Uh, we also. Threw out a uh, a little Lincoln Riley out there, although I think he's ultimately going to right. He's going to end up being Bobo's replacement at Carolina, in that kind Garrett of Garrett Riley, Lincoln's yeah. brother.
1: Yes, that's what it seems like. We haven't heard any more since Beamer was hired, but that was kind of I think that was the sell during the coaching search. Which we're going to get into this pretty much. South Carolina let everything loose through their coaching. Dude. We know exactly what happened in South Carolina's coaching search. There wasn't. There's not many secrets. Um, uh, Bob Caslin, um, who's known to maybe <laughs> pop off at the mouth every once in a while, and Ray Tanner, were are not hiding stuff from people. And so th- that that sounds like the sell that Garrett Riley and maybe Coastal Carolina's defensive coordinator are going to be the two guys that Beamer targets to bring to
0: Columbia. Well, all right. So let's just talk about the South Carolina here thing for a second because it turned Louisville into a mess because Scott Satterfield I mean is he is he just naive? I don't I don't know how you could butcher a I'm just going to casually flirt with another school more so than he did because he did just enough flirting to anger the masses but then still went and met with them when he wasn't going to get the job and everybody knew it that's what never made
1: sense to me in the entire thing. We all, like, we've been, I've been coming on here for three weeks or two weeks now saying Shane Beamer is going to be South Carolina's head coach. That's not because so <laughs> I've got inside sources at in South Carolina. It's just what they were telling people for two weeks. It was, I was not, I, I came on here two weeks and said, you're just wasting everybody's time. We need to just hire Shane Beamer and get this thing over with. Like, what right, are we doing? Get waiting the show on? on the road. Yeah. So, I, the, the sad thing number 1 something's going on there behind like it's not a good fit like he's not comfortable here uh, maybe he's worried about the team the next couple years um cuz they lose a obviously lot obviously
0: hates it here because he's over there uh, his answer to well what's the difference between players being all in and coaches well coaches you know they got families they got to think of career players it's just one of them it's like oh they don't yeah. have families at all like what? Yeah. This is insane. Right, right. In state <laughs> recruiting's uh, has been awful.
1: The the fan base is uh, they bit back at him a little bit this year with yeah. some of the results. He thought he but built. That's up. what happens when you have a minus twenty turnover margin or whatever they have.
0: Oh, it's uh, it's
1: like I minus mean, it's just been sloppy this year. They've lost like four one possession games. Um. So maybe he's just, and this is. This is the thing with Satterfield though. This was his first time being out of that the bubble. Right. Pretty much. And into like big time football. And like when he did the L's down, we all laughed and joked about it. But that was like, that was just weird. Like, why would you make a big deal out of that? You look like such a like a high school teacher for getting mad at a kid for doing something silly. Like this is just kind of being in a rivalry. You just look very small time doing something like this. And this is another thing where he's looked small time. And I think a big thing in this, like if Mark Stoops is in a pressure cooker kind of situation as a head coach, he can call his brother, his other brother, Mm -hmm. Jimbo Fisher, and ask for advice. Like, what should I do here? How would you handle this kind of thing with the media? Like, I don't know if Satterfield has that, that person to bounce things off of because he's going into these things with not really a plan, and it's showing, and he's sticking his foot in his mouth <laughs> over and over. And then Mobile's got that, 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 they're, that we're
0: relationship with our head coaches where because they, they've been spurned so many times. Like they've been, well, they, they've been told by their, I mean, they did it to themselves hiring Petrino the second time. Around. They
1: haven't, ex- right. They haven't but, accepted that they're really a stepping stone job, which is not a bad thing, not a bad thing place because now it doesn't matter. You're in the acc now. It doesn't matter. Like if somebody wants to leave, like fine, you'll go hire somebody else. You, right. You're good, your job's good enough now where you can go find another coach. But they they're still like you saw on Twitter, they want the football Denny Crumb. Well I don't I'm not I'm gonna tell you a little secret. Like co- football coaches don't hang places very long. Like if you get six, seven years out of them and it's you know you go to mean, a few bowl games have a couple 20, 25 <laughs> finishes.
0: Eric Crawford just shared all of the columns he wrote for the Courier Journal over the years of Louisville coaches basically just flirting with other teams or, you know, just all of the will they, won't they leave. And then <laughs> this is a quote from John L. Smith after leaving. Uh, yeah. Yeah. World I know what you're talking about. And the, the headline of the article is John gives them hell in farewell. And his quote is, really, I don't think there's any ownership here from the fans. They think that the coach and players are going to put this thing at another level. <laughs> he basically just said, man, you all going to accept that y'all suck.
1: <laughs> I don't think.
0: Oh, no, you broke up on me.
1: He had another quote in there that pretty much said, I don't think our fans understand the college football hierarchy. Like how this kind of stuff works. Like you're going to leave a CUSA job for a big 10 job, which was what Michigan state was in like P- Petrino. He like, it was a conference USA job. Yes. He's going to want an sec job when Auburn calls, he's obviously going to want there. So like, I, they're definitely that, that situation. Um, they like, they think they, they're looking for uh, the f- basketball or the football version of Denny Crump. like I I saw that tweeted out by multiple people this week, and that's just not happening. Like being a stepping stone, it's you're in a Power Five conference yeah, they, now, you can be a stepping stone. Like embrace it. If you like, this is where good coaches go to go. <laughs> yeah, this is where good coaches go to go to the next level, and eventually you'll get a good coach that won't want to leave. That'll just stay.
0: Well, in 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 to in fairness for them even when coaches have had success and that's why like, it's a good thing that they're moving on because they've done good things at your program. They never have success at their second stop. Now, granted like Petrino did at Arkansas for a little while, but that was after he, the Falcons thing failed. Uh, But like Charlie strong at Texas was getting heckled by boosters from day one. Uh, You know, like that was an odd thing from
1: the jump.
0: Yeah. So like, just for them they're like why are you leaving us for why why are you leaving us for that girl when we're better for you anyway you know so i get where they're coming from but uh and and they should be pissed right now like the whole satterfield is satterfield doing this after one good year, thinking he's built up all this goodwill, well, you're kind of losing some of it just by sucking yeah, this well, year. Well, he just burned, he's burned terrible with all basically his good the same
1: team from that first season. He's gone <laughs> now. Those recruiting misses are going to be magnified, just like that, like in the off season and all that type, yeah. of, like, all that type of stuff. Their
0: schedule next year is brutal. Oh, man, and it was even weirder. They, they, they have the his press conference and fails. So then they have this PR campaign through the kids tweeting out stuff. And so Tutu's tweeting about how much he loves Scott Satterfield. And then, Oh yeah, I'm opting out, but wait, I'm not opting out. Like what, What? Just what is it's going on for sure, there? That, that is wheels. You, are spinning, yeah. You've man. seen kind wheels of the, are uh,
1: the media uh, uh, circle, the wagons and, or i trying to get out in media and people tweet through social media saying, how good of a guy he is, and so on, so on. But important thing to remember here is his buyout's only five million dollars. That's part of the reason I think he wanted that extension. Um, was to, to beef that up, yeah, beef it up a little bit because it that that drops down to three and a half million dollars. Well, um, I think at the end of January, so he he could go in. Well, number one, like he's a loss away in another bad Paris conference from getting fired. Like, I firmly think that's on the table. If you would have talked to me this time yesterday, I would have said he's getting fired on, sa- on Saturday or on Sunday. Now I've kind of backtracked it a little bit um, since it seems like, the you know, the players are defending him and whatnot. But, you know, who knows what – could, it could be a Moorhead situation <laughs> type of thing where he goes and says something stupid and then they're just like, let's just – we got the money. Let's just make it happen. Let's make a move right now. So I, I – I, I would –
0: the, is there going to be a dog? I, I don't pee know. Wakey Leaks come back
1: happen? to haunt maybe finally. <laughs> you know, who hasn't <laughs> forgot about Wakey Leagues?
0: Are you? Wake <laughs> no, like Forest. Dave Clawson has not yeah, forgot about Wakey Damn Waki right, Leaks. they forgot about it. No, he has not forgot about it at all. I, uh, the the one thing I, I really am looking forward to. We mentioned contract extensions and whatnot uh I, I love that the word out of michigan was that oh harbaugh's not getting fired he's getting an extension well it the quote-unquote extension was we are redoing your contract to lower They're, your base restructuring this contract right also lower your buyout yeah exactly so we're making it easier for us to fire you uh but we're going to keep you around mm-hmm. because we can't really not at this point um and and oh, by the way, you you are getting out of playing Ohio State because yeah, of COVID. That's stuff, just so a sure Everybody's him just making fun. Of a
1: year them, next but. year,
0: um, Illinois did a similar thing with Lovey Smith,
1: um, where it would made them made it easier for them to fire him if it got bad enough. Um, so that that's really they're just saving themselves from having to do that. And
0: uh, not playing Ohio State is going to help, just from the optics point of view. Yeah, it's. I mean. I love, too, that this year would have been one of the few times that anybody would have cared about the old Oak and Bucket because you wouldn't have had Ohio State-Michigan. And then not only does Purdue Indiana does problems, too it sounds like. but then Indiana has them, too. So, like, that that game's not going to get played. And I know people are like, oh, well, just go ahead and play Indiana with somebody else. I mean, it's just it's not going to end up working. I, I guess A&M's looking for a game that they're not going to Is gonna the SEC going to – will they let uh, them? It's my question. It'd be fun to make it a, a yeah. That, that's game the Ohio State. easy
1: answer. That'd be really cool.
0: Yeah, in in I mean, look at what we saw from BYU Coastal. Mm-hmm. Like that was just awesome. So I don't think we would expect the same. And I think if it's A and M too, like I mean, playing a prove-it game against some teams is one thing, but doing it against Ohio State, like if you're A and M, you kind of just hope the committee like just says, all right, screw you guys. But they still had Ohio State at fourth. So, I yeah, don't not, know what they're, they're thinking. They're not passing man. the chance
1: of having a playoff of Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Like, they're just not passing that up. Yeah. Dude, uh, That's the best they could do. I don't know, do from don't know a,
0: all the people. You know, people of, like, bluster in one way or the other because mm-hmm. you've got to have stuff to talk about. But – yeah. Eyeballs. They'll have Which, the a way, lot of like eyeballs it, for I'm, that, especially in COVID when everybody's at home. I'm, I'm totally with you on the, the playoff talk has to just like, it's, the bad, hell up ESPN. it's bad. Like they're exhausting us, man. It, because the thing of that ESPN, they're not good. Like they try to grasp on something that's very palatable to everyone. And I don't like a, a, somebody who's a real, like they, they try to get to all the casual fans and I hate that. Like I'm, and granted it's because i'm a you know a hardcore fan but they try to casual fan it with everybody and you know what like those people don't really pay attention to what the pundits are saying anyway like if the, the, they'll watch they'll watch first take or something you don't need this on every like every second of every minute of college football live or what whatever your shows are your sports centers like i i just i'm with you man i don't need this playoff talk all the time because the fact of the matter is when they do these ranking shows, none of it matters until, you know, there's, I mean, I guess there's two weeks ago now. So it, like, I can kind of pay attention to it a little bit, but up until this point I, I, I would have done fine with absolutely zero college football playoff. Time.
1: Yeah. I mean, even just in the games, like through uh, Kentucky's plan, Um, like you could go back and watch the Ganky Louisville game last year, um, a pretty big rivalry game. And I guarantee you 10 minutes of the broadcast is filled with them showing the rankings, talking about who who these, these two C team announcers on the SEC network would put who's their top four in the playoff. Like, no one watching that game gives a <laughs> damn about your top four. Like, stop.
0: Matt Stinchcombe telling his no one cares. Oh, I think and, should it, be in there. and it, it just it, takes man, so much of the on. oxygen
1: all season. That's all they talk about. Like you watch game day. I, I mean, I don't watch game day every week, but I do on certain weeks. And it could just be any type of the season. That's all they're talking about. Who do this, do that in the playoff. You need to do this, do that. It's just like, it's just exhausting. And I think with college basketball, that's how it gets with the tournament, which obviously tournament's the best thing college basketball has. But it also, I think it kind of, I'm trying to think of the word here, it just diminishes the value of their regular season. It,
0: it mitigates, and so there you go. So, yeah, people I like that. Uh, yeah.
1: Keep pounding it down, and then you talk yourself into thinking, Well, people don't care about it, so let's have Mark Kashera on and interviewing during a basketball game, let's have Ian Book <laughs> on and interviewing during a Virginia Tech Clemson game. And then you're just like, What, like, that what is made going on?" no
0: sense at all. Like, we're here, and and John Clay wrote about it in the Herald-Later today. The the amount of, I just want to cater to so-and-so with random interviews, like, we're here to watch a game. We're not here to talk. Like, I get if things get boring, you know, it can turn into a baseball game, but this isn't baseball, okay? We don't need to talk about everything. Like, there's action happening. Let's talk about what's happening on the field.
1: It just shows you that ESPN just doesn't – they don't care about college basketball. I mean, it's it's volume for them to put on their network, but – They don't. I, I mean, it takes up a lot of airtime. time. It takes up a lot of air, time, takes a lot of getting, air time. Uh, Super great numbers with it. I guess when they talk about it, not a lot of people pay attention. So, they're trying to add some, I guess, spice to it um, by putting, you know, a big name on there like – like is Mark Teixeira's fan club gonna yeah, you know, tune in for really in. <laughs> oh he's being interviewed on the Kentucky Georgia Tech basketball game <laughs> on an NFL Sunday afternoon. Like the only people watching that are Kentucky and Georgia Which, Tech fans, really, and then like maybe die hard basketball.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I felt bad that Cincinnati Xavier. Like I, I was happy that game went. Like I watched a little bit of it, it going is. into the game. That's a great rivalry. It should not have been on NFL Sunday. That's probably like I would put that as. Third best rivalry. It's in up there. Basketball. I'm trying to think of a football game
1: equivalent. It's kind of and like I, the Egg Bowl if Ole Miss and Mississippi State were a little bit better, because Xavier and Cincinnati are kind of like top 25 programs, I would say.
0: Yeah, and if they were in yeah. the same town too, but cl- like right, and you you only get that in college basketball. But the vitriol is you can have vitriol like like big five on that level. You know?
1: It feels like God.
0: The zip them up thing is one of my favorite things that's ever happened and you know what it was easy to pick a side when cronin and mac were there because like chris or mick cronin's one of the easiest people mm-hmm. to hate in the universe just everything about him is unlikable and add to it that he was a patino guy very easy to hate cincinnati now john brandon's there who is uh you know Norse force guy KU. so i kind of want to like him um i think cincinnati has great basketball
1: companies. I've always, like, in the the red and the black, I've always loved their basketball
0: jerseys. They used to have the Duncan Bearcat, I think. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy's name who played. He played when we were in, like, middle school. kicks? He came off the bench and just shot threes. No. um, Oh, man, he was a little guy. It would have been like oh three. He was probably six man of the year in college basketball. Like
1: that guy, yeah, a guard yeah, for Cincinnati, Steve Logan.
0: Yeah. No, he had a weird name. Sure, it's gonna drive me nuts. And one of my buddies could tell me. I could ask him in two seconds. He would know because we used to play with him in that college basketball yeah. video game all the time back when that, those mattered. But, nevertheless. Oh man, and Google can't even help me out. I'll find out later, and I'll end up posting it in the body of the podcast just because it's going to annoy the hell out of me. It was like Tip or Hunter or I don't know, Uh, Bigsby, Tigsby. all right. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. All right, look it. Let's wrap this up. Signing days next week. Coaching search heating up. Uh, I kind of gave my prediction earlier where I don't think much is going to happen. Do you think much will happen? The only thing I'll say is Kel
1: Gundy's a name I've floated out there. Um, if you're going to college, guys, I think that guy would make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. There's a, obviously the Oklahoma connection. Look at signing days on the 16th. Oklahoma's scheduled to play in the Big 12 championship on the 19th. We would probably If he's going to be the guy, we probably will learn about it next week. If he's not the guy – then I would think uh, most sure, surely they're going NFL. That's just that's where you sit right now. Um, so, really, this next week I think is right. going – if we don't really hear anything, I think all, all our minds should probably go with probably an NFL guy um, or they're going – or they're getting down to maybe option two, three, four um, if, we, if we don't hear anything.
0: Yeah, and uh, I would just like to point out, too, that – the thing that I like about this podcast like it is we can kind of shed light on some things. You know, there's a reason that everybody wrote their, oh, NFL. Like, everybody wrote about NFL assistance in every outlet that you can find Kentucky sports knowledge on over the last 24 hours. That happened for a reason, so just take that for what to get you up, will. Or and they're,
1: they're, or they're trying, trying to get you off the scent. Zigging when they get
0: you That's zagging, true. and and honestly, dude, I I've already faked myself out on the NFL thing twice today. <laughs> so uh, this will be a fun little experiment for us because this is hell. This is the first time I've I've really gone I've through. I've read of six headings, so, articles
1: today uh, on Sean McVay's scheme. I have <laughs> I could scout a Sean McVay offense right now. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's where we're at. It's going to be exciting m- the month of December, even though football's uh, not happening right now. Uh, things are just getting heated up. It's cold outside, but it's heating up right there here on 11 personnel. Football weather is here and Kentucky's done, <laughs> unfortunately. Hey, was- yeah, yeah. We uh, enjoy Army-Navy this weekend, uh, and we'll be back signing day night. It's going to be a little trio, triumvirate, me, like at Freddie Maggard, Telling you everything about the signing costs. And who knows? Kentucky might have an offensive coordinator. Until then, we'll see you all next week on 11 personnel. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. Go Cats. Go Kroger.